Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. We're having an international special today and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And let's start from, I suppose, today, Nathan, and a 1-0 win for Ireland. It doesn't really, well, nearly tells the tale, but it doesn't tell the tale because it was probably a lucky win in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um it, it's sort of the late Troy Parrott goal. We're just actually fresh off the game, literally. A beautiful goal, now. though, in all fairness. Yeah, no, cracking goal in fairness to Troy. And in, in, when Troy came on, I thought he made such a huge difference. He, he was really lively and his movement, he offered a lot more than uh, what Will Keane did in fairness. He's very quiet for a lot of the game. I think the unfortunate thing is about this Lithuania game now coming off uh, a 1-0 win. I think a lot of us were expecting a comprehensive victory, weren't we, coming into this one, looking at a Lithuania side that uh, I think they're in the bottom six. 137 I know, yeah. look, we, we, we can take these rankings with a pinch of salt, but coming off a great result from uh, uh, Tiwal Jaw to Belgium now to just about beat Lithuania with a last minute goal, I think it's sort of put a dampener on what was turning out to be an excellent couple of days, but yeah, thankfully Troy did save face. Um, look, we can also go to, what was that, was the four offside goals throughout the game? Yeah. In fairness, a lot of it, all four were spot on. There's no arguments there. There was a penalty, half-hearted penalty show by Ogbeni as well. It wasn't a penalty. Look, for me, it was basically, if we're looking at Lithuania, the, the, the squad as a whole, there's, there's no notable names. I think one or two of them played in the SPL, and that was it, really. Uh, defended very deep, defended very narrow. I think that's where Ireland uh, probably got the most attacking moments with the two uh, wing-backs. Uh, Ryan Manning in the first half had plenty of joy down that left-hand side, and then vice versa, Matt Doherty in the second half down the right. Just uh, the shame his end product they thought throughout a lot of the game it was absolutely uh, below standard, to say the least. And that was one of the things, Nathan, just stop you there. That was one of the things that was the problem, that we got ourselves into positions and uh, the crosses, the delivery wasn't yeah. wasn't great. Yeah, from open play, Roy, and, and from set pieces, I think, you know. I think if you're looking at chances that Orden had, we were sort of, we were left to long distance efforts for a majority of the game with a lot of them going uh, going high and wide and not very handsome. Two big chances probably laid on uh, the John Egan header uh, I think the 88 minute and then Troy Parra had a, a snapshot a couple of minutes before his goal. Uh, two good saves for the goalkeeper who was a bit erratic throughout the games had a couple of nervy moments as well but um yeah, yeah, look, while, while it's, uh, it was hardly the most exciting 90 minutes of football we'll ever see, um, we literally went from one extreme to the other, I think. We went from such a, a, a vibrant team performance against Belgium with a lot of positives to taking a bit of a backward step to what what we're used to seeing. But, yeah, look, it's it continues to be unbeaten one now. I think we've got eight games uh, unbeaten. We're a year on now from that disastrous Luxembourg defeat. We've only lost once uh, against Portugal since that defeat, so... I'm still on that high train. I'm still on that Stephen Kenny bus. Neil, the weekend we seen a two-all draw against Belgium. Um, a lot of people tried to downplay the result because it's a two. It's a two-two draw with a, a team that we're missing the likes of De Bruyne and I was going to say Hazard, but sure, no, it doesn't really make a difference with Hazard does it at the moment. Uh, the better Hazard uh, was in the squad. The better, yeah, the, the, yeah. Eden Hazard obviously isn't the better of the Hazards at the moment. But the likes of Lukaku and, and a lot of their, their their star players were missing. But it, it was a, a squad that had 
players with under 50 caps but if you have if you have 40 caps you have 30 caps you have 25 caps you're a, a, an established international so and we could see that there was quality there when you, especially when you look at the, the, the Lithuanian game tonight you can see the quality that Belgium had that was a good result and uh, we shouldn't take away we should take away a lot from that because our team is young our team is up and coming and it was a great experience for them wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the key, right? I mean, look, you got to look at a bit of perspective on this. I mean, as Nathan was alluding to there, it was a year since we probably had one of our worst results ever. And, you know, the the, the noise were out. And, like, if you look how far we've come, I guess, you know, Lithuania today in our own backyard, it wasn't really convincing. But it does show at least we're on the front foot against these teams and that we are creating. I know the final ball was poor tonight, but it is showing progression. It is showing that a team comes to Aviva and they're sitting back and they're, you know, allowing us play from the back and they're allowing us dictate <clears throat> they're allowing us to dictate the the kind of flow of play, which is good. The Belgian game obviously then goes up a couple of notches. The crowd is in, the crowd is hungry, and you know, we really needed to deliver results. And to be honest with you, I don't really care what Belgian team that they put out because they're still a quality side. And if you watch you know, watching the game, I thought they, they Belgium managed the game very well. They played from the back. They were comfortable in possession and they didn't really change their style of play. So at the end of the day, it was more about what Ireland could bring to the table. Could we put them out of their stride? Could we get in their faces? And let's be honest, for any top five, top six in the world team, Ireland have never really gone or been able to go toe-to-toe with them, press them in the final third and kind of make that little bit of a different impression, be a home or away we would normally do what Lithuania did to us tonight. We would be sitting back with the two banks of four trying to defend for our lives. So there's a refreshing aspect of it. I think it's shown a bit of progression and uh, it's shown that, you know, I think the crowd and the players now on the pitch are kind of equal in so far as they they have a little bit of expectation that that probably isn't uh, unfair on both sides. Yeah. Nathan, when you look at the two teams, the starting 11 in both games, it I suppose, what does it tell us about the starting eleven that Stephen will put out for the Nations League, is is there people who ju- we just can't do without? Yeah, I think there was always going to be a chop and change in terms of personnel. But I found interesting that he seems to really be honing in now, doesn't he, on a, a flatback tree and using the two wing backs. It seems to be really important. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you. Was before, before we go on to that one, talking about the two wing backs, I. It was the first time in quite a while now in an Ireland jersey where I thought Seamus Coleman looked a bit off the pace uh, in the Belgium game. I don't know if he's coming off a lack of confidence through what's going on at club level at Everton. I know they're really struggling in the league. But um, yeah, I, I thought, um, was it, wasn't it Nathan Collins that slipped in? Um, mm-hmm. He made his fourth start against Lithuania. I thought he didn't put a foot on at all in that team. So yeah, in terms of personnel, I don't think we can get too bogged down in these friendly games. It was more the, uh, I enjoyed seeing the formation going forward. I think coming in now to a fresh batch of uh, Nation League games and obviously the Euro 2024 qualifiers um, and the draws being made in October for the, for the, for the groups, it's, if I was looking at people who I would have a big emphasis on, Ogbeni is obviously the obvious choice, he, he was excellent against, against Belgium, um, hassle a little bit against Lithuania without doing an awful lot, uh, I thought for me, obviously Ogbeni got a lot of praise against Belgium, I thought Josh Cullen for me was probably the man of the match, I thought he was excellent himself and John Egan are going to be vital to the spine of that Ireland team going forward so if I'm, I'm, not gonna, at, I'm not going to lie to you Nathan I was nearly angling at Josh Cullen because he has become a, a pivotal yeah. player for us hasn't he 
he has big time. He really, really has in his position that we've been lacking in for, uh, for a long time, you know. We're looking at Hendrik. If it's a Hendrik, he, he didn't do too much wrong against Belgium, but he's not going to be a long-term option at all. We'd be looking at him set, uh, at Josh Cullen, at Jason Malumby, the, the, the verdict's still out there a little bit as well. So, while there's, there's some decent holding midfield players, uh, not only, like, they're in their bounce, like I said, likes of uh, Malumby and even Knight, you could probably, if he wanted to go back there, uh, probably be looking at the under-21s, but again, that's down the line, and that's how they progress and how they come into club level. Uh, but yeah, Josh Cullen, he's ready-made there. He's playing week in, week out for Anderlecht. Um, I was surprised even when he went to Anderlecht, there was no um, there was no English club that came in from just with the talk that was surrounding him at West Ham. I think I'm um, delighted, Nathan, that there was. Yeah, that no it one probably came worked out well for him, didn't he? Yeah. Like uh, my only issue was that I was afraid he would have sort of went out of sight, out of mind. But thankfully, that that's something that hasn't happened because he, he really is a quality player, and 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 what and what he brings to this Ireland team um, in terms of just composure and his range of passing. Uh, his defensive game he's not the most glamorous player in, in the world I've seen him being linked to the likes of Glenn Whelan which probably isn't the most flattering links in the world but look Glenn on his day you know Glenn wasn't a, ter- a terrible part of the Ireland team so I think we'll see the likes of that from Josh Cullen hopefully for years to come yeah Neil I was impressed by uh, Jason Knight I think he's a, a, a quality player uh, very calm and cool and collected on the ball doesn't get uh, he's very composed I suppose when you look at the Ogbené you look at Robinson Keane you've got Parrott there you've got Knight who do you see sort of settling into the the main three in that position um, do you know it's funny you're, you're calling out the names there and I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself it's it's more of a question to me of how well they link with your wing back and if you've got Matt Doherty on one side and maybe McLean or Manning or whoever was there tonight, um, it's going to be your two wide men of your trees in your front tree. Be your Ogbeni seems to have gotten his nose in the door now and he seems to be riding high. He got himself a great goal. So I think he's kind of out ahead of the rest. Uh, I think uh, Robinson is there because maybe the last campaign where he kind of finished on a high, but he's still doing the real good work behind the scenes. He's closing players down. He looks very positive going forward. So Knight is probably that one position. I think that, I won't say it's up for grabs, but I think he's grabbed it insofar as link-up play was really, really good. As you're saying there, you need guys out wide now that can become composed on the ball because your wing-backs are now practically your wingers, but you need a guy that can hold the ball up that can allow people to get past them, that can link play. It's not that traditional. You know, we don't play as like Premier League standards in like a Mo Salah and a Sadio Mane. We need a guy that can link play, that can link play, cross the ball, that can be durable, that can, you know, get up and down the line. And Knight seems to have the engine to do that. And Benny tonight, again, that's two games in a row now. He's shown the ability to draw a man in, to go buy a man. So it's a different ingredient that Ireland are looking for in them positions that if you go back five to ten years when you know you had your Kevin Kilbans and then your McLean's out there it's a different ingredient that Nye has and as you say I think it's his composure that for me kind of puts him a little bit ahead of the rest and I think he's nothing against the other lads but I think he's a, 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 a mentally a better footballer than, than the rest of them I think he sees things I think he can uh, he he doesn't just stay he's not static He's he moves it in if he sees space he'll move out wide if he sees space he's you know, he'll drop deep if he sees that it's the right thing to do. I just think he's a clever footballer uh, where with Logbene and Robinson, it comes down to, to pace. Uh, Keane, listen, it's early doors for him. and I know he's 28 or 29, but at the moment, I don't see 
I don't see it's a starting lineup for him. I don't. I don't I'm not Troy Parrott maybe, Roy. Troy Parrott kind of he ran that line tonight, didn't he? When he came did. on, he was coming into did. that channel and he did very, very well over. That's what I'm saying, though, right? It's a different. It's an. It's an evolution. If you look back in the last twenty years of Irish wingers or you know attacking wingers, it's an evolution of the way we've played. And this is a Stephen Kenny trait that he doesn't just want a guy in the wing that's going to run in and pass a ball or cross a ball, and that's the end of his kind of skill set he wants a guy that's clever to run the channel when it needs to be to bring players into play and again nice seems to be just grabbing that opportunity so i, th- I think it's fallen really really nicely now this last few game uh, well not today tonight but the uh, belgium game i think fell well for him and if he keeps putting them type of performances in i think he's in with a good shout at starting there yeah i think uh, as well if i look at central strikers uh going forward the likes of will Kane, james collins scott hogan they're all quite one-dimensional as well and it's yeah, I, I think going B, forward. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. It's, it's a 20-minute, one-all, looking for a goal. Lump, it's, it's a classic, isn't it? Lump them up, get the ball into their feet. But I think, yeah, they're looking at them. The, the, the three of them don't really offer an awful lot. Um, and I suppose the two big omissions that a lot of people were complaining about when the squad came out, and there's actually not a mention of them now anymore, is um, Aaron Connolly and Mo- Michael Odafemi. Do, do you think that they slot in anywhere going forward? No. Um, no. Not unless they they change. What would I say? Uh, uh, probably attitude because I I actually think uh, Obafemi believes he has done something where he hasn't done anything just yet. He needs to get his head down and at club level really dominate and start putting the ball in in, in the back of the net, which you need from your strikers. When you look at Connolly, Connolly didn't get in at Brighton for a reason. He was in and then he didn't get in. Then he started to miss a couple of games in the, with Middlesbrough as well. I think the two of them need to focus really hard on what their game is because I'm not sure they know what their game is. Uh, Connolly, is he a winger or is he a centre forward? Yeah. I don't think he's figured it out. Obafemi doesn't score enough goals and he's not a centre forward, uh, an out and out goal scorer. So where does he play in a team? I think they need to find out where they play. Um, at the moment, for me, I I don't. They don't get into the team. Conley could, for maybe in the winger position, but ahead of ahead of who uh, yeah. who's on that team now at the moment, I just I just don't see it. We we've uh, said it many times about Conley, haven't we? Though we don't know yet whether he plays through the middle or plays wide, and you seem to think he has that pace to burn somebody out wide. But his decision making has been very poor for Ireland in the last mm-hmm. two outings. So I think he needs to go back to kind of almost grassroots and get it right at club level, and then maybe then you'll have a look at him and think, no, do you know what? That's his position outside left. If that's where you're going to put him, yeah. Because he's like, for, for now, it's up in the he's air. He's playing off the cuff nail, isn't he? He's like, yeah. It's like I have this. Uh, talent, it's pace. Uh, I've got uh, not a bad touch at times, uh, but he doesn't play the balls into the right areas at times. He loses yeah. the ball uh, often. He might dribble when he should pass, and he might pass when he should dribble. And and it's just his decision making isn't right at the moment. So I think he does need to step back, have a little look. What am I, and what am I about when I'm on the pitch? Um, so listen, there's definitely talent in them, definitely, absolutely, but they have no God-given right to get into the Ireland squad, and uh, there's a lot of other players there, Ogbeni uh, especially, and you can he, he's stood out a mile, but he has the right attitude. You can see he gets on the ball, he takes on players, he's delivering crosses, he's positive, you know, he's he's 
applauding people, encouraging people. There's everything that's right about him there. So uh, the lads need to probably look at him as as a little bit of inspiration. I'm Isn't it a great at... thing though, Roy? Sorry, just for the in the in the space of a year where Adam Eda was our only kind of you know ball winner, we were lobbing balls up to him and hoping him to hold in play. And we've evolved our front three now, where you've got Benny, you've Knight, you've Robinson. Uh, and even Troy Parrott there now that are all of a sudden competition. We're not talking about Connolly where he was one of the front runners a year ago when we were kind of saying who would go into the next campaign. And all of a sudden you have options and you have hungry, hungry guys that are dying for, you know, vying for them three spots that want to get in. So from that point of view, very positive. And that's and what well, Stephen Kenny has done. A lot of people are talking about, sorry, right. A lot of people are talking about this young lad as well, the 21s, uh, Fessy Obasale as well. Yeah, he, yeah. He's apparently doing very well at Derby. Can't say to be a, a massive Derby County connoisseur, but it's it's another name that, that's popping up as an exciting young talent. Has he not, that could has be he, the has he not gone to Udinese? Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 he's At the end gone, of the season, um, I think. Is it? Th- that's what caught me eye, oh, yeah, because yeah. obviously James Banquet has gone over there as well. So to see the two of them make the move over around the same time, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting. Um, can't remember what I was going to say, Nathan, so it um, doesn't matter oh, now. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, no, I'll tell you what it was. It was the fact that now uh, we've seen it where Ireland, Callum Robinson slips out to the left and Knight comes into the centre. And then he's nearly playing that false nine where he's dropping around the place. And there's a little bit more movement in this Ireland team, a bit of interchanging uh, and stuff. So it's not as static as we used to be get the ball out the left or someone out the left, get the ball out the right or someone out the right, get the ball into the box. There is a bit more uh, fluidity to the team and uh, you will look at this now in a year's time and you'll be hoping that this Ireland team has progressed even further and that you're... Look at the stats hit tonight. 79% possession against Belgium. How many times did we get on the ball, keep the ball for long periods of time and then create something from it? So... It's a different Ireland now altogether, and it's it's it really is great to see. Uh, Nathan, when you look at when you look at our goalkeepers, Kelleher in goal today and at the weekend, he he didn't have too much to do. In all fairness, in in, in the no. games, is the is that that's a good sign, I suppose. When you look at it, the the, the team is solid because when we're defending. We have the five back and the two sitting in front. It's nearly, well, it eventually turns into a 5-4-1. But this team is not just about the possession now. We are getting a little bit more solid, albeit we did concede two goals the weekend. Yeah, yeah, the two goals against Belgium. In fairness to, uh, to Kelleher, there was nothing he could have done about it. I think the only defensive mistake he could look at the two goals was the second Belgian goal from the corner. Uh, it was a practically a free header and there was another man behind Van Aker that scored the header that was that was open as well. That's the only real one nitpick. Uh, but in terms of goalkeeper, it's it's actually a position we've been very fortunate in, isn't it, down the years? And it looks like we have another uh, rich, as, rich as a talent uh, going forward. Like Keller has there, Bazunu, uh, excellent goalkeeper. For me, he'd be the number one going forward. I, I said it a few times, Roy. I really think he, he, he has what it takes to replace Edison when he, when he leaves Man City. I think he's that good of a goalkeeper. Might as, not get the chance, though. That's the thing. Look, but if I look, if we're just talking about quali- if we're just talking about qualities alone, I think he has the qualities to do it. Look, the chances are that that's neither here nor there. That's who knows what can happen in that aspect. Mark Travers has, has done brilliant, hasn't he? Uh, he came in, he struggled at first in the Ireland squad, but at club level, he's he's been excellent at Bournemouth. He hasn't put a foot on what, uh, whatsoever. Can I just step in there, Nathan? Because yeah, uh, go ahead, Matt Holland was talking on Sky Sports tonight and he was saying uh, Ireland are absolutely blessed to have two great goalkeepers um, Bizunu and Kelleher 
uh, two great goalkeepers going forward. So he kind of dismissed Mark Travers. Uh, but Mark Travers is in a team, uh, he's, he's the only regular really, uh, well he is, Bazuna's regular, but he's a regular at a championship level and most likely at a premiership level next year uh, with Bournemouth going up. You, you can't you can't write off Mark Travers, can you? Because no. I'm gonna gonna come on to this with Neil now. Um, Kelleher's not getting his game. He doesn't seem to be going to leave, so he's nearly already indicating that he's happy with his lot. And with you look at Darren Randolph, he's been taken out of this side and not even looked at because he decided to choose his third place spot at West Ham rather than first foot or first team football at Middlesbrough. So is that what's gonna to happen to Kelleher, do you think? Neil. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um I think we alluded a couple of weeks ago, Roy, where Dave is here and we were saying about Kelleher. It was probably after they won the uh Carnival Cup of where we're gonna go with Keller and what's gonna happen. So he has a big look he's a big future ahead of him, I think, either way. I think the way Liverpool are angling, and obviously I'd be paying a bit more of attention to it. They, I don't know if you've seen the thing they sent to his club, this lovely message and a signed thing. Jersey, was okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. So Liverpool are really playing their cards very cleverly here. And I think the reason why they're doing it is because they need him as a number two if Allison gets injured. There's no point having him, you know, from a selfish point of view. There's no point having Kelleher, say, on loan in the championship playing a full season where if you cannot call him back in a state of emergency where you need him. And I don't think they trust Adrian as the number two now. So Liverpool are too high profile. You can't allow games to get away. They literally can't slip up once. So if an event where you need him to step in, you need him there and you need him with the academy, you need him training with the first team goalkeeper. And I think they've been very clear on that. But they're also being very clever in how they're grooming him and they gave him his Carabao Cup final and they're, you know, they're making all the right noises that he's the next best thing. But like with Bizunu uh, and Ederson at City, he may never, ever get to fill them shoes. And that would be a massive, massive shame. So, um, that's, what for- I'm, so that's what I'm saying, Nathan. So I want you to take that over. How does that sit then with the Irish team? Because he's been talked up an awful lot, as Neil has pointed out really well there, that it looks like that he's going to be sitting on the bench again next year. So does he get a look in ahead of, uh, of the other two? I think it would be harsh on the other two, wouldn't it? Playing week in, week out, especially Travers. Like, it's, it's someone that is going under, under the radar completely. Just, we even hear people mentioning League of Ireland goalkeepers ahead of him. And look, biggest League of Ireland advocate there is, but you, you simply can't. Like you said, Travers playing week in, week out at the highest level. Uh, with a Bournemouth side, they're, they're pretty much odds on aren't they, to, to, to get a promotion this season, yeah. uh, whether it be automatic or, or via the playoffs. Uh, I think it'd be harsh, really, really harsh. I'm presuming and Travers if they're going to continue to play week in, week out. As good as Kelleher has done when he's been called upon for Ireland and for Liverpool, but as Neil said so well, it's, it's he seems happy enough to stay there. Whether that be for the, the short term or the long, long term is remain to be seen, but yeah, I think you have to go with your, with your goalkeepers that are playing the most consistently at club level. And I, I, I'd say that for most other positions as well uh, across the team. The only thing I would say, Roy Kelleher, is that there is something freaky cold about that kid. There's something ice cold about him that he can come off the bench without playing, with playing very little or no games other than maybe Carabao Cup and then go into these big games. And he is absolutely ice cold. 
I've never seen anything like it to see the calmness. You know, when it, you know years ago, I, I'd, I'd say for Liverpool, when the ball used to go back to Simon Mindelay and they tried Brendan Rodgers tried to get him to play it out of his box, your heart was in your mouth. There's some keepers that don't instill a confidence in you. Whereas Kelleher, you are absolutely 100% sure he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. There's something in his mentality that is rare in goalkeepers. And I'm not saying, you know, Travers or Bazuna don't have it. But the only thing going for Kelleher, I would say at this point, is that he's kind of proven he can step in from the coldest of cold and do a job at the highest level. But again, and I'd agree with Nathan, I don't think you could overlook a guy that's playing week in, week out in the Premier League and doing, you know, doing the business, you know, long term, you just couldn't justify it. Well, when you look at the English team and Gareth Southgate, he picks his side on form. Every squad that he picks, he picks on form. He doesn't pick people on reputation and and, and what they have done. Um, the only person I would say he does it with is Pickford in goal, where every time he turns up for England, he, he does a good job for them, where at Everton, it's a little bit more shaky. But other than that, you are there um, if you're not playing well you're not in no it's easy to do when you have a, an abundance of riches can Stephen Kenny Neil afford to do the same thing um, I think in goal like I have to say Roy I, I would have great confidence that Keller could do you a job but just I think there's a it's almost like a natural peck in order it's very f- f- uh, rare on an international keeper in particular you have to have another kind of layer of ilk about you to step into the international nets Um I won't say it would be careless, but it would be puzzling to see Kelleher, and this is from a Liverpool fan, it would be puzzling for me to see Kelleher start ahead of either of them guys, but maybe not Travers because he's not in the picture now, but if Travers comes into the Premier League next year, starts the first 10 games for Bournemouth and, and equips himself well, it would be very puzzling not to see him claim that almost on merit. Do you know what I mean? Now, unless Kenny sees something that we don't see, and listen, maybe he would do, but for me... You play the team that is in form, guys with experience, guys that are doing the job week in, week out, because it is a pivotal position. So, you know, it, it's up in the air a little, but I think as Nathan said, the dark horse could be Travers if he gets into the Premier League and his kind of profile goes up that bit. All of a sudden, you know, he's in the paper all the time and people are asking what's going on. Maybe that would be enough to get him in ahead. Okay, Nathan, when we look forward... Does James McLean have a future? We talked about this probably last year when they got beaten by Luxembourg. He's not doing too much wrong, though, is he? He works hard. He's getting good deliveries in. He's he inspires. So, is he? Is it fair enough that he's in the squad? He's in the team. I, do you know, not that long ago, I was wondering why is he getting into these squads. So there was a stage where he was torn up, just there was nothing about him at all. But even just looking at these two games against Belgium and Lithuania's isolations, they played a lot more against Belgium. Like, well, not doing anything stellar, I do agree that he didn't put a foot wrong at all. I still would have himself and Hendricks and Coleman in the category of that the time was probably numbered. There's going to be lads playing at a higher level, whether that be Championship or hopefully the Premier League, playing on a more consistent basis. Then the likes of the three lads that I mentioned, and there is others in the squad as well that you could see them go sooner rather than later. But um, even if I'm just looking at this Nation League campaign, which is just because it's coming up the, the most soon, 
yeah, I, I would have him in there uh, in, in the squads when when it does come to playing Ukraine, Scotland, and Armenia. Uh, just what he offers in behind the scenes, by all accounts, he, he's a great personality to have around. Look, we know how much the the, the passion and commitment that that he has to playing Ireland, and I think that was one takeaway that away from the off-field performances that I've seen from, especially the Belgian game. Was there was a willingness and a passion there, wasn't there, by a lot of the lads uh, to actually wear the the the, the oil and jersey? And well, that might sound like just sentimental trough for the sake of it. It's something that has been missing for the past couple of years, and I don't think it's something that can't be understated either. No, the only thing is, is that as I said, you need to be on form, so you don't just get in. You have to get in on merit. So at the moment, James McLean has been doing that. Let's say he doesn't. Let's say he drifts and by the end of this season or by the se- September, all of a sudden his stock falls a little bit in Stephen Kenny's eyes. Neil, who steps in? Um, I would be very reluctant as in to, to drop the likes of James McLean out of there, number one, because I think you need to keep a very close eye on the amount of experience you have in your team, maybe even in the spine of the team. The likes of Duffy, Egan, McLean of all, you know, they've been around quite a long time. Um, Tom Manning did a decent job there tonight. Um, he looked hungry. He got down the line. He was crossing balls. He was crossing from deep. There was a lovely little moment where I think he crossed the ball. It took a deflection and within like six seconds, he'd won the ball back and was going back up the pitch again. So it was a nice little cameo role for him and a kind of a low enough profile game where for me, I don't know. I didn't know a whole lot about him, and then I was googling him, kind of going, "Right, what's going on here, and what's he all about?" So maybe that could be the opportunity of someone. Like the Nation League games are coming now. What do we get? Like six games or something like that. So, yeah, I'm sure Stephen Kenny's very aware. He needs to have someone that can step in there. I think with Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman, you've kind of got safe hands on the right. Uh, with James McLean on the left, you definitely do need an understudy or someone that is going to be the next thing. So. I'm hoping uh, the likes of Manning can step up because he, he looked decent tonight, but I just want to see him across a couple more games. Yeah, Nathan, when you look at the the tickets that were sold for the game, it was a good crowd at, on the weekend against Belgium. There's a half a stadium full tonight <coughs> against Lithuania. I was looking at the prices of some of the tickets at the weekend. Uh, section B, so that's the middle section, uh, 120 quid per ticket, which is absolutely ridiculous place yeah. for a, a football game and, and I mean who they think is going especially in this day and age right they got the, the people in for the Belgium game but the Lithuania game surely to God they can drop the prices by about half those t- same tickets again were 90 quid 80 quid they should be dropping down to surely uh, yeah. half the price shouldn't they just to, yeah, they, they yeah. think about it it makes no sense financially anyhow because you're getting empty seats you get more people in and, and, and you get the same amount of money it just doesn't make any sense not to lower the prices You've asked the right person this question, Roy, because I gave out stink to you for 12, 20 minutes because I had to pay a €2 euro, uh, service charge. Remember, I got my online <laughs> yes, ticket to a Shamrock Rovers game? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, again, look, if I'm just going to be looking at the Nation League because it's coming up, you imagine the Scotland game at home it will, 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 will been a bit of traction. The Ukraine game, it's still up in the year, isn't it? That there's been no announcement made on what's going to happen with the Ukraine. That's in football. June, isn't um, it? Yeah, yeah. It's so, June, will that September. be on now, as you said, because of the Scotland game, um, it, it may not be on uh when when June rocks around because they have yeah. to play that semi-final then and probably final so that may not happen uh, either way but, but like the likes of the Armenia game though that should be a, a, a thing of where 
I mean, in Lithuania, you'll be seen on the, on the same level. It won't be the most glamorous game to go to. Yeah, I do. I, I think it's been an issue for a long time. And I think it's outpricing a lot of fans as well, you know. Where they like, just can't justify paying that sort of money to where uh, to go see Lithuania. Where look, the Bel the team, your Belgiums and your Germanys and your Spains, this world, you will get people, even if, it, if it's people that don't have much of an interest in football, just to go, just to go as a spectacle and, and to more so see the opposition players <laughs> as well, more than anything else. But there was plenty of tickets yeah. left over for that Belgium game, was there? Uh, yeah, you need, yeah, you need to buy lads the season ticket. You can buy a season ticket with yeah. a kind of a couple of kids on it. We do it for about you get maybe six or seven, maybe tickets for about five quid season pass it's not too bad when you do it like that but i wouldn't be going by the individual game because you know yourself remember back in the day when you drew like france or germany or something like that and all of a sudden only people wanted to go to that game you ended up spending 120 on the one ticket but that could do you for maybe three or four games or a campaign if you're to go the other way but the family pass is kind of the way to go if you're gonna uh worry about tickets Nathan, you need to start that family up. So there you go, Neil. <laughs> um, <laughs> Neil. Oh no! Actually, tell you what, we will go to Nathan. We'll go to uh, the, the Republic of Ireland fan question because we got a question sent in to us, and uh, interesting to hear what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's only gone and done the hat trick, right? Aaron Elspeth, three weeks in a row, fair play to me. It's the worst thing he could have said to me was, "If you need a question, let me know." So okay. uh, we'll, we'll see him. We'll see him again. Uh, but look, anyone listening with a with a League of Ireland question or just an Irish uh, football question that you have, send them in to the big kickoff. We love to have them. So Aaron this week came out with a blinder. He says, "On the topic of club versus country, what side of the fence do you lads fall on?" Yeah. <laughs> Club versus country, in, in what manner? Is in what do I rather see do so, well? I'll start you off. I'd rather see St. Pat's win the FAI Cup than Ireland win the World Cup. God on the shoot. Yeah. What? Million percent. Million percent. Okay. Wouldn't, wouldn't, even, wouldn't even think about it. Because, like, I look at it weird. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of the big wall puncher fans that screams at the telly and, you know, like, if, if, if my team lose, it, it annoys me. Don't get me wrong. Doesn't ruin my weekend. Doesn't, you know, when you go to games live, you obviously do a bit more shouting than at the telly, but I'd never be a big, you know, like break the bleeding seats and run amok and because Pat's got beaten. But I'd be much does more emotionally invested. Weekend? Does it not affect the weekend at all? Surely it does. I'm a very placid person. Like, I wouldn't be that sort of person. I wouldn't let it affect me that Hold much. Hold your There's something weird about it. I'd go out... Yeah, to be honest, yeah, just <laughs> behind the eyes, like. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Nigeria um, tonight, but they I'd went go out after to the, the field game, after they lost again. The I'd have a couple of points, and I think I'd, I'd just get over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be it, really. So, yeah, so are you that's, asking that's, me, Nate, would, I, would I rather... From. If you had a choice of your club do well or your country do well, what, what would you rather have? Right, if, if it was, say, for example, Ireland to like win a World Cup or win a Euros... Um, versus anything else in football I'd go for Ireland to win the Euros it would be just the most phenomenal thing in the world for Ireland to win I was in Greece when Greece won the Euros way back when and I've never seen scenes like it in my life it was that was just I was over there for the semi-final and the final it was just amazing and for something like that to happen in Ireland would eclipse anything else that I would ever hope to happen in football that would be the ultimate for me I think when Ireland get to major championships now, it's it's nothing compared to what Italia 90 was and uh, USA 94 and even Euro 88, although it's slightly younger for, for that. But Italia 90 and USA 94, the country was mental. 
It was absolutely Electric. unbelievable. Now, when you look at when Martin O'Neill got us or Trap got us to the European Championships, it wasn't the same. It wasn't even at the same level as, as those tournaments. Now, if Ireland got to a World Cup and then they started to challenge, you're going to feel that buzz again. And that was the biggest buzz you could get in football, bar none. So to be dancing in the streets with 40 Pats fans or to be dancing in the streets <laughs> with a couple of million Irish people, I think there's only one thing. I, I, would, I would give away all my footballing rights to see Ireland win a, a major championship, especially the World Cup. So that, that, that's, that's my one. I think Neil's on the same wavelength. Uh, can you convince us otherwise, Nathan? I probably can't know. I think that's an interesting <laughs> caveat of what you said there about the combat to Italia 90 and 94. I wasn't even a dirty no, talk. You haven't experienced at that stage. <laughs> no, no. Um, my, like, you used to go back to, you know, the, the famous game of Stuttgart, even beating England, you know, the, the Italian 90 run. My biggest one is the Robbie Brady header against Italy, which was in the, the, the round of 16 or something. Yeah. As big as a moment as that was. You which don't is really a big moment, to, yeah. They don't compare to, you know... Uh, I think, Nathan, I think what the problem is, is that because Irish football had been so dire for over a decade or more, that young fans like yourself had lost, and I'd seen it because I was up coaching at football sessions and the Ireland match on, said, we go home, watch the Ireland match, lads, and they're shy. You know, they had no interest. So I can understand why St. Pat's or Shamrock Rovers or Liverpool or Man United, well, maybe not Man United, but those teams would be more interested in Ireland because when we watched Trapattoni's and Martin O'Neill's, albeit during the, the Euros itself for a couple of those games, it was great. But generally the football was absolutely dire and uh, probably they should never be allowed coach again. And funnily enough, they aren't coaching again. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason for that because they were past their best. I generally think that you and fans of that age just haven't felt what it was like to have the country rocking. And if you get that, you, you really just want more. So what, I, what I'd say as well is, right, you need a, a generation of players that fans aspire to be. Yeah. And we haven't had someone like that in quite a while. I mean, mm. you look at the young lads coming through now, say the likes of Ogbeni now, I'd say he's got followers. And I heard tonight his name was read out and there was a big yell because people are identifying with him now. You need to, re, you know, Ireland need to find the next version of stars that the kids want to get out and meet and they want to go out and see. And that's where it comes from. You go back there to 90 and whatnot. Every player on that field was a household name. Everyone knew who they were. Whereas now, tonight, sure, even I'm Googling, you know, your, your left winger and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So you need to be able to identify with the players on the pitch. And Nathan can identify to the players at his club because he knows them all so well. And I think that's missing from Ireland. And I hope now, during this campaign, the attractive style of football, the way we're setting ourselves up, number one, bears fruit. We can get to a championship. And then number two, we can identify with these new crop of players. Absolutely. OK, I think we'll leave it on that because uh, it's a valid point. Nathan, thanks very much for your time. Neil, as always, thanks very much. And of course, don't forget the big kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Uh, purely League of Ireland will be back next week. So don't forget to tune in. And of course, have a look back. There's been some episodes with Graham Gartland last week, Sean Connor, Stephen Henderson, and there will be more to come in the in the future weeks and uh, I hope you are enjoying them so far we've had a, a lot of good feedback so we will see you next week <laughs>